Hi guys and welcome back for episode 9 of Unfiltered with Mark and Mia. First and foremost, thank you so much for all of your support with the new format, with lovely Mark joining me to co-host every week. All of your feedback was very much appreciated. Welcome back, Mark. Hello again. How's your week been? Uh, it's been busy at work. Really yeah. busy. Yeah, a lot of court stories. Uh, everyone was so happy to hear you joining me last week. Amazing feedback. Lots of comments about your spending habits. So I thought I'd start by asking you, any outrageous or extravagant purchases this week? Do you know what? I've really um, been quite a big advocate of Afterpay. So it's just <laughs> starting to wind down. You know how it comes out every week and you have yeah. multiple going. Yeah. Uh, the last one comes out on October 3rd. <laughs> it's almost like an episode and then I'm done. So I'm trying to get through to my next paycheck. No Afterpay. Great. Yeah. And then a whole new list of purchases. Uh, honestly, my wardrobe's so full. I don't know if I can buy anything else. My place is so small. It's like bursting at the seams with um, clothes and shoes. And so I'm really trying to wind back. That is your number one motivator to move is lack mm. of wardrobe space. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a motivation for everyone. What is your weirdest or most extravagant purchase during COVID? Um, do you know what? Nothing's actually been that weird. I've bought a lot more active wear because mm-hmm. I've been exercising more. I guess going for runs and stuff mm. um, when everything was shut, but um, I haven't actually bought anything too crazy. I bought COVID. a Tamagotchi. Did you actually buy one? It's right here. And do you use it? I don't know how to use it. You already have a cat. <laughs> That's enough. You don't need a Tamagotchi. I remember when we were twenty-four and we were talking about having kids, <clears throat> and you're like. Oh, just get a Tamagotchi. I mean, they're really just big interactive Tamagotchis. I don't even know where you'd buy a Tamagotchi. Where did you get it? Cotton On. Cotton On, okay. They're expanding. Well, I guess Cotton On's still set in the 90s, isn't it? So (laughs) So speaking of extravagant, uh, our topic today that we wanted to talk about was the recent release of Paris Hilton's documentary, This Is Paris. I saw you watching it on your Instagram stories at the exact same time I was watching it, which tells me that we both have the same hideous taste in our viewing choices. (laughs) But I loved it. I I did too. I thought it was great. I did too. And I think given we grew up with sort of this new wave of celebrity that she started, she really is the original influencer. There's so much in that documentary, which is fascinating particularly for people our age because she formed so much of our culture and our cultural understanding of social media and sort of what celebrity is well she was essentially an influencer before instagram even began and i remember buying a von dutch cap because (laughs) she had one do you remember everyone had them everyone had them and she was sort of the one that first started wearing them juicy couture velour tracksuits and we got and trucker hats we got our influencer you know from reading trashy magazines or going on to the Daily Mail or something like that. But we never really had Instagram. It was more MySpace, but that didn't really have influences and all that. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. MySpace was more emo photos of yourself, top eight friends. Festival shots. Festival shots. Good vibes, future the, music. The, all like that. the plat- the plaited crown thing around your head and uh, some fluoro uh, yeah, get up. All that stuff. Yeah. And big sunnies. I'm now having a panic attack that maybe I didn't yeah. delete my MySpace account properly. And I actually find found it. mine and got rid of it anyway. <laughs> um, so no, I really liked it. I thought it was interesting. I thought one of the main things that she touches on is the fact that you don't actually know her. She's someone who Um, likes sitting around in trackies at home, is a bit introverted. Everything she's projected for the past, 
gosh, her whole life. Yeah, is, 16 years. She's been on this spotlight for like 16 years. But I, I thought it was interesting because at the end of the documentary, she says, they say, oh, well, you know, will you be changing? And she goes, I'm not ready to give it up because... Yeah. Um, it's so but, lucrative. And it's a business. Yeah. And, if you, and I thought it was actually quite healthy in a way. She kind of almost, you watch this transformation at the start where she's quite anxious about talking about it. And she sort of goes into herself and you can tell she's nervous. Mm. And by the end of it, she's like, well, hang on. Okay, this is just a brand. And yes, I'm going to make money off it. This is how I support my lifestyle. Yeah. But at least almost like she's come to a realization that that's how she is. Yeah, that she needs to live authentically for the first time in probably two decades. But I don't think she needs to live authentically to us. She doesn't. Um, she doesn't owe us no, anything. No, I mean, she's allowed to do that. That's, I mean, you know, it's all, it, she's an actor. Yeah. An actress. Yeah. And it's exactly like, you know, we see people on Instagram who are airbrushed mm. to whatever. To um, like and you actually fetuses. see these people in real life. There's one guy I know who I see at the gym, but on Instagram he looks completely different. Mm. So um, it's all a brand. It's totally. all about making money. So for those of you who haven't seen the documentary, Paris Hilton, uh, joint forces with the director and it was really just to talk about herself as a businesswoman originally so a lot in there is about how her you know her brand evolved her image evolved she really hit big celebrity status with the release of a sex tape at the age of 18 and then sort of became a reality tv star she was sort of the first of a lot she was the first sex tape first influencer first reality tv starlet before reality tv was a thing throughout the documentary they incidentally started touching on this childhood trauma that she'd experienced at these sort of, uh, I guess they're like reform schools kind of. It's almost like a finishing school, but But more for bad behaviour. So I think it's for troubled children essentially to go and sort of learn. It's almost like a mix between, um, you know, like a cadet camp Mm. with finishing school. But essentially it's like being in the army, Mm. you know, and you have to have your bed made at a certain time and if you don't but the punishment is so quite severe intense so she was put in solitary confinement they were forced to take uh medications quite serious medications that you prescribe for mental illness and these Uh, are all allegations yeah from yeah yeah uh and then uh that's uh, allegations of being beaten and being starved and she joins uh up with people who she went to these institutions with and now there's this big movement to kind of expose what's going on in those schools and I found that so interesting because she has built this brand around having this flawless perfect very superficial life and a lot of her image on The Simple Life her reality TV show with Nicole Ritchie was just this very spoiled out of touch you know had never done a hard day's work in her life we now found find out that she was you know doing manual hard labor for years in these uh reform schools and we all kind of got trolled she sort of she sort of created this personality that obviously infuriated people and that no one could connect with and she made like 300 million dollars off it but i don't think people were infuriated or annoyed watching that i mean i found it hilarious Mm. i thought it was so funny i thought it was so out of touch i didn't sort of feel duped or anything i sort of just thought i mean i've always had the perception that you know don't always trust what you see in a reality show Mm. i mean we know that with the real housewives of Beverly hills this season not that we watch that religiously but we've seen producers (laughs) come in and get annoyed at certain characters Mm. 
for deviating from the storyline. Yeah, line. going off script. So, when it's so unscripted. Exactly. But um, so I wasn't really, I wasn't overly surprised, to be honest. I thought, um, I mean, if you look at her, she kind of is so um, vapid in her presentation when, I mean, I actually went to Marquee Nightclub in... Uh, Star City which um, I've never been to before but I went because Paris Hilton was DJing it was a few years ago and it was only $20 and Bargain. I went with her through friends of, a few friends of mine and uh, we got so close and she's exactly like she's on TV or, or whatever so and it was really fun and you know she the music was great and it was amazing to see her that close because she's such a she's also a bit of an icon as well mm. um, but I don't think um I didn't sort of feel any negativity um, from, you know, maybe not knowing that side to her. Because I also think she has every right to do what she does. Mm. If she wants to project herself like that, that's fine. Um, I just thought it was almost like an opportunity. It was a, a privilege to know exactly who she is. I think it was really cool. I think the I think what she represented for a lot of people, particularly probably more our parents' generation, was this like whole thing of they're famous for just being famous sort of what the kardashians get like there's no substance here you need to like have a degree or cure cancer or like star in a movie what have they done they've just like had sex tapes released and all that sort of thing so what did they do to, to deserve it so i think it's quite cool that all these people fell for this image and she was like taking it to the bank like laughing all the way to the bank and like having all these perfume lines and clothes lines and in the background she's this businesswoman and on the surface she thinks that you know we think that she's the butt of the joke but really it was the reverse the whole time because mm. we kind of fell for it yeah of course um i also thought it was interesting how um which uh, you touched on with me earlier was that um this sex tape which an ex-boyfriend leaked um without her consent um you know, she was really sort of slammed by the media for that. Um, she was the one that was victim blamed. She was the one that was, you know, shamed and, and it was all her fault. And that was before Me Too, as mm. you said. And um, I think the movie's really interesting, this documentary about how uh, if that had happened now, then maybe things would be different. It's one of the parts of the documentary where she is so... Well, she's really sincere through all of it, but she is quite guarded at times. But you really see this raw emotion. And she she says almost verbatim, if that were to happen now, we would be having a completely different conversation. She was 18. He was in his 30s. And without her consent, released this tape. Like In America, she was really barely legal. In most states, you have to be 18. And also as well, you are allowed to record... Anything you want. Mm. Um, and, of course, if that's ever to be released, there needs to be consent. And everyone knows that. And mm. there's a case that I've just done where um, uh, two guys were together and one allegedly uploaded a sex tape and graphic um, photos of them together without his knowledge onto OnlyFans, which is a subscriber almost amateur porn site and and allegedly made money off it oh my gosh did the um, other partner even know that the footage was being taken well no because he record he claims he 
he didn't know he was being filmed. That's he claims. And, there, even worse. and people always say, well, how can you not know? There are many ways, and, and he explained to me why he didn't know. Um, and, you know, it's a very understandable way that he could be duped. Mm. Uh, it's so, not hard to put a phone against a wall and have no idea that it's recording. No. So I think this whole thing that, oh, God, you know, why would you ever record a sex tape or, um, you know, why would you be so stupid? I mean, that's not really the issue here. The issue You're is releasing wrong... anything yeah. without consent. Yeah. So whether it's um, whatever, private details of your life, anything um, without consent is, you know, raises questions. How did the victim find out that he... He'd posted it to OnlyFans. Uh, I think he became suspicious. It's He just became suspicious. I can't really remember the entire details of how it all happened. Oh, you um, think like it would be horrifying. Imagine getting a call from your friend and being like, um, mm. just saw more of you than I thought I ever would. Are you aware yeah. that someone's making money off a very private moment? So I think, um, I think that was also interesting. I also uh, thought it was interesting to see how yeah the comparison to the simple life everyone loved the simple life reality tv show with nicole ritchie and paris hilton it was so funny it was so over the top and um but it's obviously not what she's like i mean she knows how to mop a floor there's a scene where she says how do you do this and um and it is it's entertainment and that's what people i think this element of shock that oh wow that she's not really like that I didn't really get that so much no I didn't either I, I she's shown it, glimpses of it throughout the years I've seen her in interviews and it's like this girl has a vocabulary longer than like t- two syllable words and the voice is not as high like to hear no. her use her quite like she's got quite a low voice mm. well compared to that baby voice we've been hearing all these years but you'd see glimpses of that over the years but it was just so. I found her so quirky and so likable and very, very chilled out, uh, and yeah, quite and quite childlike as well. She's quite, she's quite endearing. I really didn't expect that at all because she kind of. I've always liked her, yeah. brand or non-brand. I yeah. think she's great. Yeah, I can imagine that for you. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you <laughs> the know, the man who stalked Lisa Vanderpump around all of her restaurants for a of selfie. Course, I love it, and I got one. I know, and I got one. <laughs> Um, you weren't my, leaving it LA It's on my Instagram. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting, another issue that's raised is the disconnect between um, children and parents. Mm. So, and also this, I think it's changing now, but there was always this assumption when I was growing up that parents are right, children are wrong. You're too young to understand. You're, when you get older, this will all make sense. Yeah, what I'm doing for you is to help you. Exactly. But I think it was interesting because throughout you're watching her at this horrific school where, you know, she is allegedly being beaten and given medication and put in solitary confinement. She was there for about 12 months. And you're thinking, why would parents put their kids through this? And the whole time I'm thinking, I can't believe this has happened and um, her parents are awful and why is this the case? And I thought it was really interesting because towards the end, they put the allegations to um, Kathy Hilton and she is shocked. And and so the disconnect between, um, I think it raises the question where parents should always, not always take what the school says mm-hmm. as verbatim, um, but they should also treat what the kids say with caution too but it is about weighing it up but I also think that it's important that parents create that relationship where you can talk about everything one of the things that I found interesting growing up was um, 
and I think this still happens, you know, you get to a certain teenage age where um, people start wanting to drink at house parties or, and it becomes a bit, um, you become a bit anxious about it because it's peer you, pressure. Want, you want, well, that, but also you want to partake um, maybe at around 16 or 17 sometimes, or you might not. Um, but I actually had that conversation with my parents mm. and, and we came to an agreement of what um, was appropriate and what was not. And um, because I think by by just ruling something out to your kids, you're creating a barrier. Mm. And therefore, if these other issues like being at a strict boarding house come up, they tend to not raise those issues because of that. So I actually think it, it raises the really importance of... Um, making sure there is open dialogue with your children and with your parents all the time and feeling you can tell your parents anything and they won't judge. Yeah, I was sent to boarding school so my parents just took that right out of the equation. Mm. <laughs> Didn't kiss a boy till I was 16 and a half. Um, but yeah, that's that's really true and it's also the fact that, you know, obviously her parents were so desperate to help her because she was sort of, she was rebelling. It sounds like she was going out a lot and drinking underage and that sort of stuff, which, you know, who hasn't? Uh, but... I think that what's really fascinating about it is that she has projected this whole perfect, flawless, quite vacuous surface kind of uh, image to kind of hide that trauma. Yeah. That she created this persona so that, you know, she was kind of hiding all these experiences that she'd had behind that so that it wasn't, you know, something that she had to address really. And it's got to the point where now she has to and she's kind of exposing it finally and, and doing some good, real good with it as well. Because I really related to that in terms of my eating disorder, that it was so important for me to project perfection out outwardly or at least, you know, strive for that perfection and to, you know, make myself as likable and acceptable as possible to kind of hide all the things that contributed to that eating disorder developing. I never thought that I would say I related to Paris Hilton in any way in that sense, but it's so, so valuable to be able to show people, you know, all these people who you're comparing yourself to all of these people who, you know, do kind of continue to display this very face tuned message of if you have money, if you're conventionally attractive, if you have, you know, supposedly no care in the world then you know you're untouchable that you won't have problems that life is just all rainbows and unicorns and it just isn't nothing makes you exempt from you know having tough moments in life uh and so when we're looking on instagram and thinking oh if only i looked like that or if only i had that my life would be easier or my life would be better it's just it's just not true should we talk about pete evans sure i you know i love me uh you're not a doctor, please shut up moment. Mm. So I, M- Mark was not aware of Pete Evans, but I really wanted to uh, send Mark some stuff about this celebrity chef that we have here in Australia who over the last seven or eight years has become this sort of diet crusader, health crusader. No qualifications, not a dietitian, not a doctor. Started off on a very popular cooking show, My Kitchen Rules, from which he was dumped this year by Channel 7. He was like raking in $800,000 a year uh, on that show because he has been making claims that COVID A was not harmful uh, and now has switched and said that COVID doesn't exist. And he is continuously uh, featured on really, really big media outlets, 60 Minutes. Uh, there was just on a radio show this, this week. 
And I really wanted your insights because obviously you work in media and you know sort of the ins and outs of what goes into how people choose to, you know, uh, cover certain stories or cover certain people. Uh, so what was your takeaway with some of that sort of research that I sent you? Because you really didn't know who he was and he's kind of everywhere at the moment. I think he's everywhere if you consume commercial media. So Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I'm just... I, I, I just <laughs> Media elitist. <laughs> no, but, but I had no idea who he was. I, I don't really watch any of those shows on free to air. Um, I more tend to watch Netflix or obviously I watch the ABC, I watch SBS. Um, I don't tend to consume any of that because you know what? It's all about ratings. Mm. And when you've got a high rating show like My Kitchen Rules, they're going to use those contestants to, to grab audiences in other areas and and divert them to different shows and cross promote. And, and it's a way of survival. So um, unfortunately, this man has come out with some really extraordinary claims. Um, I mean, he's almost, he's been giving advice, I've seen, um, according to reports, to people on Facebook with medical conditions telling someone not to have dairy when they need dairy. Um, There's all sorts of different and weird claims. It's almost like anyone with a poor condition or a health condition he says to do something that's worse for them Mm -hmm. so it's really peculiar behavior um he is obviously a big trump supporter telling people to go and stare at the sun for a certain amount of time every day not sit in the sun stare at the sun yeah i don't really know where that's come from it seems sort of like very dangerous and really manic uh, manic (laughs) sort of Claims, and I don't really understand where it's come from. It's very bizarre. It sort of sounds like he might be um, dealing with some issues or... Well, see, that was my question for you because obviously I work in the mental health space, so I'm not here to diagnose anybody. I'm not here to make any claims about anybody's mental health. Uh, But there was a video I sent you from nine years ago uh, where Pete Evans presents as very calm, very chill. He's making a pizza, so this is clearly pre his paleo kicking days. Uh, And... Then the more recent videos, like the interview with 60 Minutes, when he was spouting conspiracy theories about COVID, he even looked down the camera and said, if I disappear, if something happens to me, you know, don't be surprised because they're coming for me, basically, and making claims that Bill Gates can inject people with the coronavirus. Uh, what, what is it? The, the, what are they looking for? The cure? What is it? Vaccine. Vaccine. She has no words today. Um, And you can see this switch in his energy that he used to be incredibly calm. He's over the years become increasingly paranoid. He He presents as increasingly manic. So on one hand, it's infuriating that the media continues to, and as you say, commercial media, tends to continue to highlight him as if he has some credibility, mm. right? As if he has any nous or capacity to comment on medical or dietetic advice, which he does not. He's a celebrity chef. That's it. Mm. So on one hand, he's profiting from that. So they're supporting him in that way. But now that we can see this change in behavior, this concerning change in behavior, at what point is the media exploiting somebody who they know is going to get clicks and views purely because of his behavior, which could only be categorized as concerning? Like, where is the line? 
that's a good question i think sometimes there isn't a line i mean clickbait is drives profits it drives advertising and i think it in an industry now where the media is shrinking and struggling to survive we've seen redundancies at channel 10 channel 9 abc everywhere and uh and you know seven is going through a rough time as well i think um it's it's a really hard balancing act i mean I think it purely is ratings and I, I don't really understand how the commercial media works with that but I, presumably there would be complaints to the media authority there would be I mean he was fined $25,000 for um, selling the lamp that cures COVID which he doesn't believe is a but thing but also apparently that only accounts for two lamps that he sold so the lamps were like maybe 12,000 each or yeah. something so he's literally been fined for two of the lamps I don't know how many of those lamps he sold but <laughs> yeah, it was a $15,000 lamp and for someone like Pete Evans who was earning $800,000 a year $25,000 it's not really that much no so very true um, but look I mean it seems like now his behaviour is so erratic and there are I'm sure legal concerns, I'm sure the legal department of every network now is quite concerned. So I don't think, I think he will eventually evaporate in the background and let's hope so. Um, I don't think he'll be around for too long. I mean, he can't stop saying things on social media or Twitter, but I mean, hopefully commercial networks won't give him a voice anymore. I mean, if he's been pulled from Channel 7, I think his day is coming. Yeah, because it just seems to me that it's, you know, it's switched from he was sort of like the media darling and everyone was willfully blind to the fact that he, you know, put this recipe for bone broth for babies in a baby cookbook that by any dietitian's estimation would do more damage than it ever could good. And even beyond that point, he continued to be promoted and he was profiting off all of that promotion. And now it's switched to, well now we can get clicks and and views out of him because his behavior is so concerning i also think people need to take their own responsibility Mm. too i mean you can't just take everything as gospel you need to do your own research you can't be spoon-fed this information But this is the problem people don't and the most concerning example of that is bell gibson right the cancer faker she faked having Mm. brain cancer allegedly and she made hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. off it. She got an app on the Apple Watch when it was first released. She was heralded. She was trotted around to every single, you know, morning show. She was, uh, yeah, she was given, you know, all of this, all these opportunities. And all of it was fake. Nobody did their research. Mm. Even the publishing house, Penguin, didn't do any research. Yeah. Because she was... She was good looking. Mm. She was relatable, mm. right? She, she, again, didn't have any qualifications. And it's the same thing with Pete Evans. He's a conventionally good looking guy. He's successful. He has money. And it's like we're willing to take that over qualifications because it's like, oh, if you've made it this far in life and life is so great for you, then you must have all the answers. People are really naive in that sense. What do you do? Well, when it comes to cancer, and he and Pale and Pete also says paleo can but, I mean, cure what do, autism and cancer. How do you tell cancer? someone to do their research? How many times can you tell someone to do their research? I mean, come on, adults. But what if they're not adults? Well, that's that's true. That's fair. That's fair. I do have another point on Pete Evans before we wrap this up. Yeah. So maybe people are 
looking to him and other celebrities because trust with our politicians at these days maybe it's not at an all-time high maybe people are looking for leadership in other areas because they're not getting what they want from certain politicians i think that's a fair assumption i think people becoming apathetic and not wanting to engage in politics maybe that's a factor in why people are being drawn to these sort of so-called leaders from uh, that develops from pop culture maybe that's something. yeah i think it's i think you're right i think it's people want reassurance mm. people want answers where there aren't any it's sort of like you know he put out information saying that paleo could help cure cancer just like the bell gibson thing people want answers something as awful as cancer we don't have answers mm. COVID. we don't have answers no. People want control. People want to believe they have more agency over their own lives than maybe is actually possible, right? And I think that the other side of it is people want to feel special. People want to have something that makes them special. And if speaking out and being contrarian and being incendiary and that's the way you get attention, maybe it's sort of like we see the anti-vaxxers and anti-mask rallies, etc. It's like, really? this is your thing like mm. this is the thing you're going to hit your wagon to like a piece of elasticated cloth around your mouth that's your cause but i think it makes people feel special like they're attached to something that means something that not everybody is doing mm. yeah i think so yeah so i think um the message out of both things we've spoken about today is go to is- your doctor and do, do your research. <laughs> yes, do your research. Multiple sources, sources you can trust in an era of fake news. Look to the voices of authority that have been around for ages instead of just finding whatever you find on Facebook because it's not necessarily true. Yeah, qualifications matter. And it's always healthy to have a certain level of skepticism and questioning. But when it's about your health, your mental health, or your physical health, always err on the side of caution. Go to your doctor, please. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode nine of Unfiltered. Don't forget to come and give us a rating over on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify as well. We'll be posting this everywhere. uh, And hopefully soon we'll have its own dedicated uh, Instagram page and Facebook page so we can interact with you guys. Come and find us on Instagram. You can find Mark at Mark Ready and me at What Mia Did Next. We will be back next week. I have an upcoming surgery, so we may be missing a week, but we'll try to cram a couple of episodes in. Uh, But otherwise, we shall see you soon. Do you want to say goodbye, Mark? Enjoy your week, because obviously everyone's listening on Monday. Yeah, we're time traveling. And then um, (laughs) that'll hopefully get you through to the next Monday. Okay, guys. Talk soon.